Romans chapter 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sancria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampilitus, uh, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Abernus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard for the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me, too. Greet Asyncritus, Philegion, Hermes, Parabus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philogenus, uh, Julia, Neris and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send their greetings. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who would cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as does Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Cortus, sends you their greetings. Now, to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden from long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all Gentiles uh, might come to the obedience that comes from faith, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Well, 
What is the biggest thing you've been part of? On the 20th of July, 1969, as the Apollo 11 lunar module started its final descent onto the surface of the moon, there was just one man at the controls. There he was, Neil Armstrong, just moon rocks out in front of him, alarms going off everywhere, running out of fuel, uh, trying to land this kind of tiny tin bucket on the moon. He's up there, but that incredible achievement wasn't done just with him. Behind him, NASA estimates that there was over 400,000 men and women from across the United States working on the Apollo program. Everyone from astronauts through to the mission controllers, caterers, cleaners, scientists, engineers, doctors, just everyone. Uh, people like um, a lady named Judith Love Cohen. She was an electrical engineer who worked on the abort guidance system for the lander. Now, I wouldn't have known anything about her, except she popped up on my Facebook feed uh, during the week. Why? Because she's the mother of Jack Black, of all things. <laughs> Isn't that really funny? Just that there, there were so many people working on the Apollo missions that Jack Black's mum was there, um, and we would never have heard about Judith Love Cohen had it not been for the fact that she's connected to someone famous. But really, that must have been the case, right? There would have been hundreds of thousands of people uh, who never uh, would be known, never famous, but totally essential to that mission. Uh, Romans 16 takes us into a different project, a different project. You see it there in verse 25. As Paul is wrapping up this uh, gospel uh, message, this letter in Romans, he says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. It's this project of telling people about Jesus. That's what the whole of this uh, letter of Romans has been about. Uh, it's been about that gospel message, that no one is right with God, but that righteousness a right relationship with God can be found in the gift of Jesus through Jesus' death. The whole of Romans is about this. It's about God's plan to bring people from all nations back to him. And so, verse 26, as you read on, it says, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. That's the project that Paul's on about calling the Gentiles to faith in Jesus. And he's right at the pointy end of that, right? He goes out everywhere uh, telling people about Jesus. But he doesn't do it alone. He doesn't do it alone. And Romans 16 is about all those unseen partners. It's about people like Judith Love Cohen. And so tonight, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do... Uh, it's kind of going to be a bit like a jigsaw puzzle... We're going to work through all these uh, small pieces of information and we're going to put them together as we find out about Paul and his co-workers in the gospel. And all the pieces are there and individually each one doesn't look like much. It's like, uh, is that a bit of sky, a bit of ocean? Not quite sure. But as we put it together, what we're going to see is this amazing picture of a diverse network of co-workers in God's gospel project. We're going to dig a 
dig into all those elements, a diverse network of co-workers in God's gospel project. And if you're here tonight and maybe you're new to church, uh, new, just checking out Christianity, um, I think this will be a great uh, little window into what we think the church is like, what we think we're on about. It'll be a good way to see uh, what goes on uh, when we stop and think about uh, church and the project that we're all on together. So, um, one little disclaimer as we get into it. Um, We have been working our way through the whole book of Romans, uh, all 16 chapters. Uh, We've raced through at pace um, and we've tried to do it in five weeks. And this is actually week six and that's because our guest speaker for tonight um, has been locked out of the state um, due to COVID restrictions. And so this is a a little bonus Romans. It's uh, week six and we thought, okay, we'll we'll dig back into Romans. Uh, What haven't we done? And uh, really, the only bit we haven't done is the names. Um, so we're going to pay special attention to the names. Um, but hopeful, I'm hoping that actually we're going to see there's some, um, some great riches, even in a chapter uh, full of greetings like this. So come with me. Uh, let's dig into it. We're going to start um, with an easy little piece of the jigsaw puzzle, uh, maybe an edge piece. Um, what do these uh, greetings tell us? These greetings tell us what the church in Rome was like. So it seems that the church was made up of a number of house churches. Uh, There in verse 5, Paul's talking about Priscilla and Aquila and he says, greet also the church that meets at their house. And down in verse 14, he greets various people and he says, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Uh, He's referring to the church that gathers with them, And so Christianity in Rome at the time was a series of house churches, kind of like our hub groups, meeting in homes around the city. Now, what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that Christianity isn't just an institution. It's people. It's a network of people together. And that's important to to point out, because if you've grown up in an Anglican church like this and there's a building, uh, it can feel like uh, like it's an institutional thing. Maybe you've gone to a Christian school or you hear in the news about uh, the church. It's easy for us to think about the church as an institution. But Romans 16 wants to tell us that it's the people who are the essence. People gathered together, trusting in Jesus. Now, Institutions aren't bad. Uh, You only get institutions when you have enough people that you need to organise yourselves properly. But the organisation isn't the church. Uh, Church is believers gathered together under the Lord Jesus. So it's a network, not an institution. Uh, That's one piece of the puzzle. Uh, The next piece that we find out is that it's a diverse network. A diverse network. See, some in Paul's network were wealthy, it seems. Check out uh, there in verse 2, Paul's commendation of Phoebe. He says, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Benefactors were a big part of the Roman world. Um, They were basically rich people who made stuff happen for... uh, the lower social classes and so they would kind of sponsor an artist or a a young politician and and pay their way 
And so uh, there's this idea of, of being a benefactor to others. Um, someone like Twiggy Forrest is like a modern-day benefactor. He's, you know, he came in and bankrolled the Western Force so he could have a rugby team in WA. Um, but he's their benefactor. And it seems that Phoebe was a benefactor to Paul. Uh, maybe she helped to support him and, and pay his way through one of his missionary journeys. So there were these wealthy people in the church. Um, some of them had big homes so they could host uh, these house churches. Um, maybe they were uh, there supporting Paul. And that's really just worth observing that the, in, in this diverse network there were people with money. And the Gospel Project uh, still needs benefactors, even today. I studied at Trinity Theological College uh, in Leaderville. They've got a building there, um, kind of right in the heart of Leaderville. But 20 years ago, uh, they were still operating out of a few rooms out uh, down in Bull Creek Westminster Presbyterian Church. And it wasn't quite working for them. You know, they needed a building to be able to run a Bible college. And I don't really know the story. It's, there's probably some facts wrong. But... Uh, You know, it was all done anonymously. These guys don't have their name on a building or anything. But as I understand it, uh, there were two guys, two business partners, um, who together gave three million bucks uh, to buy the land there in the heart of Leaderville. And then Trinity kind of crowdfunded um, for the actual bricks of the building itself. Now, uh, right now, you can't imagine having 3,000 bucks, uh, let alone three million dollars. But it won't always be that way. Uh, One day, someone in this room is going to have $3 million to give away. And if that's you, then God will have given you that money for a reason. What a joy and privilege it would be to use that money to support God's gospel project. That project of calling people to know and trust the Saviour, Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful uh, to put the money down for a Bible college somewhere? What a joy. The church is a diverse network. There were wealthy people in the church, but there were also slaves. Now, we know this from the names. Uh, Today, if you want to name your baby, you can go for your life. Just name them whatever you like. Uh, You can name your firstborn after the author of the Jungle Book if you want. Uh, But in the first century you were expected to choose a name that belonged to your social class. So, uh, names like Ampelatus, Urbanus and Persis, uh, probably uh, they were the names of slaves or former slaves. And so, you can tell just by the names that there was this diversity in social standing, diversity in wealth. And there was diversity in race as well. Some were Jewish, like Herodian there in verse 11, And most of the names, though, are Greek. All the us names there, like Olympus, uh, they're all Greek names. There's diversity in wealth, diversity in race, and there's uh, gender as well, diversity in gender. This isn't, as Paul gives this list, it isn't like a boys' club. Did you notice that? Look at how Paul describes the women. Uh, Verse 12, he says, Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa those women who work hard in the Lord. And then there's more. There's Persis and Phoebe and Priscilla. 
Uh, in verse 7 even, Andronicus and Junia are probably a married couple. Junia is the woman's name. And they've even been in prison next to Paul. Paul describes them as outstanding among the apostles. Now, uh, apostle just can be the ordinary word that means someone who gets sent. And so they're probably not official apostles, like the apostles of Jesus, like Paul is. Um, But they obviously have a special job. They've been sent by the church. And they're outstanding. It's amazing as you read through to see how involved and how important women are in uh, this gospel project. And really, that's what Union Church should be like as well. We're a church that believes that God gives different roles to men and women in the church, but that should never, never diminish the value that we place on men and women serving in our fellowship. If we really want to be biblical about it, uh, we'll do what Paul does. We'll want to commend and honour the contribution of women in our church. Now, we don't often call people out by name, um, but I wanted to mention Erin uh, May. Eswix um, has served here at St Matthew's for the past nine years and for the past five years has uh, served here at Uni Church as our women's pastor, discipling women. And you don't see her up the front here preaching, but that doesn't mean that she hasn't made an incredible contribution to the gospel project here. And I'm sure many can attest to her impact in, in, in kind of sharing the gospel, in discipling uh, women within our fellowship. She is someone who has worked hard in the Lord, outstanding among those who've come from over east. And so I wanted uh, tonight to honour uh, the contribution of Ez and many others like her who've served us in the Lord. So that's another piece of the puzzle to put in place. Uh, diverse, a diverse network. Men and women, people from different races, uh, rich and poor alike. I hope you can, you can see we're, we're starting to get a feel for what this church is like as we put all these pieces together. It's a network and it's a diverse network. Uh, the next piece of the puzzle is maybe the most obvious. Um, it's a corner piece. Uh, it's how Paul describes these people that he's greeting. He calls them dear friends, co-workers in Christ, workers in the Lord. They're with him in this project of proclaiming the gospel. And notice that it's not like, it's not like a work relationship, like you're, they're just colleagues and they kind of get along together. No, they're they're dear friends. They are special to each other. Um, He loves them like brothers and sisters. Rufus's mother, he says, is like a mother to him. And Priscilla and Aquila are perfect examples of the the bond that he has with his co-workers. Um, Priscilla and Aquila are actually a really good couple to dig into because they're mentioned a few other times in other places in the New Testament. And so we can actually put together a few different um, features of their life. I'll just read us a little bit of their story from Acts 18. Have a listen. Uh, This is from Acts 18. Try to imagine what life is like for them. Uh, This is 18.1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius 
had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Uh, Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. So see what's happened there? Priscilla and Aquila, they were living in Rome, um, but they got kicked out by Emperor Claudius, and so they have to kind of dash off to, to Corinth and set up shop there. And when Paul gets there, he kind of meets them and, and they take him in and they work together, making tents. And they help him in his ministry and they support him while he's preaching to kind of free him up to do that. And then they, they form this bond and so that when he moves on, they're the ones who, who, who go with him, uh, help him with the dangerous work of, of travelling to a new place. And so here in Romans 16, Paul commends them in verse 3. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. See, they they weren't actually full-time missionaries or anything like this. You know, they were refugees. They got kicked out of their home. But they showed hospitality and they worked hard. And they discipled people like Apollos when they met him later on and they risked their necks for Paul and for the gospel. In some ways, you know, you read through the New Testament and and Paul does all these kind of like amazing uh, missionary journeys and you think, yeah, that's because you met Jesus. Like, you know, you're an apostle, you have to do that. But Priscilla and Aquila are just a regular Christian couple and they use their home and their work, and their money, and their travel plans, and everything they put towards this gospel project. Can you see the picture that is emerging as we put these pieces together? It's a network, uh, a diverse network, and it's a diverse network of co-workers in God's gospel project. And I think that's what's going on Um, there in verse 17. You kind of get this weird bit that jumps into these greetings, but you see that the nature of this network working together for the gospel, you see it all the more clearly in the light of the opposition that Paul meets. Uh, He mentions them there, verse 17, these are the anti-workers, they're the unco-workers, they're they're the people who resist what's going on. Verse 17, I urge you brothers and sisters to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. See how they do the opposite to Paul's co-workers. Paul's co-workers are all about building people up, helping them to know and trust Jesus. But these people um, just break them down, split them apart, lead them in the wrong direction. And so Paul's warning is still important for us to hear. Watch out for people like that who would separate us, who would lead us in the wrong direction. There's always going to be people like that, people offering some version of Christianity uh, that fits better with uh, our world, something that you don't find in the Bible. And then they offer it in the most attractive way possible. Notice that. Now that's Paul's warning there in verse 18. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. The French poet Moliere said that people can be induced to swallow anything provided it is sufficiently seasoned with praise. 
And I think that's true. Paul says, watch out. Watch out for uh, people who would lead you astray by smooth talk and flattery. See, uh, they do that because they're not serving Christ, they're serving themselves. Verse 18, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. Uh, These false teachers are serving their stomachs, living for selfish pleasures. Paul's co-workers aren't in it for themselves. They're in it for the Lord Jesus. So what have we seen? It's a network, it's a diverse network, and it's a diverse network of co-workers in God's gospel project. Okay, one question you might still be asking is why? Uh, Why does Paul send all these greetings? You know, it's all very interesting finding out about the church in Rome, Uh, but why is it here in the Bible? And why did Paul put so many greetings uh, here at the end of Romans uh, when he only gives one or two in most of his other letters? Uh, Well, I think the answer is that in all his travels, Paul hadn't actually ever got to Rome. Uh, He didn't plant the church, um, and so he knew people who were there, but he had never actually visited. Um, But uh, what we find out in chapter 15 is that Paul knew that Rome was the perfect place uh, to base uh, and kind of launch out on his next gospel mission, his mission to Spain. And so these greetings aren't just for the people that he's saying hi to. The greetings are actually for everyone else in the church. He wants all the Christians to get on board with this mission to Spain, to help him in this next phase of this gospel project. And so these greetings are like referees on Paul's job application. He's putting them down as references. He says, look at all these people, all these people who've, who've known me. They've already worked with me. They're my co-workers. Will you join me too? Will you join me too? I think these greetings are all here almost as an open offer to get on board with this gospel project. This, This message that he's just spent 15 chapters laying out for them. He says, this is the gospel that I'm going to take on. Will you join these others in supporting me? He wants new co-workers to send him on to Spain. And that's why Romans 16, uh, I think, is still really important for us to read and dig into. Because that offer still stands. Not the offer to help Paul go to Spain. We missed that. That ship has sailed, literally. Um, But that the big gospel project continues the project to call people from all nations to the obedience that comes through faith, to trust in the saving work of Jesus. And as we read about Priscilla and Aquila, Mary and Apelles, the invitation is there for each one of us as well to add our names to the list, to be part of that diverse network of co-workers in God's gospel project. So will you be part of it? Will you be a benefactor? Will you give money to support the work of AFES on campus? Um, To support people who are going onto our campuses to share the message of Jesus? Will you do that? 
Will you show hospitality? Will you lend your car to one of our gospel partners when they come back on home assignment? Will you pray for them? Partner with them in prayer while they serve overseas? Uh, Will you come and help out at Mania uh, in a few weeks' time? Work hard on the public holiday uh, so um, we can set up for the week ahead for the kids. Romans 16 is an open offer to be part of something big. To be part of something big. We don't walk on the moon without 400,000 people working on the same project. And uh, as Romans has shown us, we've got a much bigger project going on here. God's gospel project of calling all nations to know and trust Jesus.